Let's turn in our Bibles now to Ephesians chapter 4, the fourth chapter of Ephesians. We've been going through this passage, and we were talking over the last couple weeks about the fact that we're one body, we are to work together, there's a place for all of us, and in particular, the fact that God has given each of us gifts gifts of the Spirit, and those gifts are the way in which we are empowered to function as a member of the body of Christ. As we come into the verses that we're going to look at today, Paul gives a few examples of some of those gifts that are, in this case, leadership gifts. And then in one of the most important verses, I think, in the New Testament, He explains what the purpose of the church is, of what we as leaders in the church are really to be doing, and really what all of us, each of us as children of God, as members of the body of Christ, what our responsibilities and and, uh, opportunities really are for ministry. Now, here in uh, Ephesians 4 and verse 11, he, he mentions four gifts, the gift of apostle, the gift of prophet, the gift of evangelist, and the gift of pastor-teacher, which is, is all one package. But there are, in order to get the full picture of spiritual gifts, it's important to always look at three passages of Scripture. Ephesians 4 is one of them, but another one is Romans chapter 12, and, and a third one is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, because in these three passages, we have some lists of some of the spiritual gifts, and each of them gives different lists, and because the lists are different, I would assume from that that you can't say that they are a comprehensive list of gifts. Personally, I believe there are a lot of spiritual gifts that perhaps aren't listed in these passages, but... um, Let's at least look at these first as a, as a background for the study as we move into it. Turn over to Romans chapter 12. In Romans 12, Paul's talking about spiritual gifts, and beginning with verse 6. And by the way, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, it's amazing how similar they are, how much they have in common. In their, in their emphases. But here in verse 6 of Romans chapter 12, he says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And then he lists the gift of prophecy in verse 6. In verse 7, the, the gift of ministry and the gift of teaching. In verse 8, the gift of exhortation. In verse 8, also the gift of giving, the gift of leading, and the gift of showing mercy. So that's another list, a different list of the gifts. Now turn over quickly with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And in in this chapter, there are two different lists of gifts as he's referring to them. And in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, He says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And then he has the the gift of the word of wisdom and the gift of the word of knowledge. In verse 9, the gift of faith and gifts of healings. In verse 10, the gift of working of miracles, the gift of prophecy, 
the gift of discerning of spirits, the gift of uh, different kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. And then skipping down to verse 28, he has apostles and prophets and teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, administrations, and varieties of tongues, among other gifts. So now come back to Ephesians chapter 4. The point of these gifts, and, and I'm not going to go into explicit definitions of these gifts for the simple reason that the Bible doesn't ever define these gifts in a real clear way. And, you know, I would think if, if the important lesson, and often people say, oh, the gifts are so important, so therefore you need to understand the gifts fully, and then you need to take a test and find out what your gifts are, and then you need to use your gifts. That's an interesting approach, but every, every time you see that approach taken, it varies because in no case in the Scriptures does it bother doing that, either defining the gifts um, you know, explaining all how they function or how do you know what gift you have or any of that. Now, makes you wonder why. Certainly, if it was really critical for us to know the difference between the gift of word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, he would have spelled it out. People don't, people differ on all these gifts and people argue over the gifts. But what those gifts are is not the point. And that's why Paul doesn't ever bothered describing them. His point in each of these passages is, we all have gifts. God has given to each of us particular, unique abilities, capacities, ways in which we can function within the body of Christ. We are all gifted. Our gifts are, in many cases, those things that make us unique, that make us different. If you want to figure out what your gift is, start with thinking what makes you weird. What, what is it about you that annoys people sometimes? And it just might be that that difference is actually also a great value that God has placed within you. If you're trying to put a puzzle together, the thing that makes puzzle pieces difficult to fit together is that they're so different. But the little nubs that are sticking out on a piece of a puzzle that make it not fit are the same nubs that make it fit. Just when you twist it, turn it, move it, put it in the right place, it falls together. Spiritual gifts are often that way. Now, I believe besides all these gifts listed in these three passages, I think that there are a whole lot of other gifts that God has given by His Spirit. Not only that, I believe that all of these are given in combination in different ways so that there are a myriad amount of differences between us and all of those differences are important. I mean, some really glaring ones that are left out of these lists, but there are people who have a powerful gift of intercessory prayer. They just love to pray for people. They love to pray for others. Now, we're all commanded to pray for each other, but there are some people that that's their life. And if you want to be prayed for, you know you want that person to pray for you. And, and I believe that that's a gift. I think there are some people who have a gift of music, of being able to express and worship to God in just a unique and a powerful way. I think there are other people who have a gift of 
of evaluation or scrutiny. And they drive us nuts because they can look at things and they know what's wrong with it. And, and they have that gift. And on the one hand, it, you could say, oh, they're critical. And sometimes when they do it in a critical way, they drive you crazy. But at the same time, it's a special ability to be able to evaluate and look at things. I think there are people who are blessed by God with mechanical ability, with mathematical or technical ability and things like that. And had the scriptures been written in our modern times, there probably would have been some different gifts that would have been listed. But again, don't worry about exactly what they are. And let's focus on the point of the Scripture, and that is, if you are a child of God, you are gifted by God. You have gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's a place for you to fit within the body. There are functions for you to fulfill within the body of Christ, and it is the Lord who gifts us. Now, Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. I like, I mean, this is a literal translation. The King James just says that, you know, he gave. But in the Greek, it's he himself gave. That's the emphasis. Hey, the gifts are not about the Holy Spirit. The gifts are about Jesus and how he personally decided who you were supposed to be and how you were to be gifted. He has a place for you, and he has given you unique abilities and unique gifts. And then in this case, there are four gifts that are listed that in this case are leadership gifts within the church, and they were very foundational by nature, especially back then, so we'll discuss them a little bit in order just to understand what he's talking about here. The first one that he mentions is the gift of apostle. Now, apostle, the word just means somebody who is sent forth. Um, But the apostle was used in in the New Testament in a couple of different ways. In the most specific way, and I think I would call it apostle with a capital A, there were certain people whose role within the body of Christ as and Paul talked about the church was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets the original apostles it started with the 12 or really with the 11 after Judas was gone maybe Matthias is included in it some people think Paul was really the 12th apostle it doesn't really matter But apostles were people who were involved in the starting of the church. They were laying the foundation. They had a certain authority, apostolic authority, by virtue of their personal call by Jesus Christ to the ministry of apostle. And so one of the qualifications of an apostle is they had to have seen Jesus Christ after the resurrection. They were a personal witness to the resurrection. Paul seems to indicate that he was sort of the last of these. He saw himself as coming along really late in the game, and yet he said he wasn't second to any other apostle because Jesus had met him, he saw him, Jesus commissioned him to be the apostle to the Gentiles, and so um, Paul was one of these. But At the same time, there are other places where the word seems to be used in the New Testament that would refer to anyone who was a missionary. Uh, Barnabas is called an apostle. Other apostles are mentioned, and that might be apostle with a small a. 
And, and anyone who is called to go out to, to break new ground and to start new works, I, church planters and missionaries, to me, in a, in a lesser sense, would, would still carry on the same role that the original apostles carried forth. I don't think anyone today wields the apostolic authority, the whole notion that, oh, the apostles passed it down. You couldn't pass down apostleship in that way. Um, it was something that was designed specifically for that era, and yet that role continues as God calls people and sends them forth, and so I don't have a problem considering other people today as being apostles. But obviously, planting a new work, that's an important role. And then next is prophet. The word prophet just means to speak forth God's word, basically. And in the, in the most technical sense, the prophets were the ones who wrote the scriptures. The Holy Spirit inspired them to hear directly from God that which they communicated and wrote down in the word. And that's why the foundation of the church being the apostles and prophets, in many cases, they were the same people, but those who would hear from God and speak forth the word of God. But prophecy is also used in a more general sense of anyone who speaks for God. And, and so over in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about one who prophesies speaks to edification, building up, exhortation, encouraging, and consolation or comfort. And so whenever someone speaks, and it's like God speaking to you through them, that could be seen as a prophetic gift. You've seen this happen. You're driving down the street listening to Christian radio, and all of a sudden, someone who's on the radio says something that's exactly what you needed to hear right then. Maybe you were even wondering about a particular issue and praying about it, and all of a sudden, boom, this person who doesn't even know you says exactly what you need. Other times, God just sends a person to you, and they, and they just say exactly what you needed to hear at that moment. Of course, one of the easiest ways to be prophetic is to share the scripture with people. God already said it, it's prophecy. If you want to speak forth the word of God, that's the safest one. I've had a lot of people who come to me to speak prophetically, and it's nonsense. It's nothing, nothing at all coming from God. Um, speaking his word is the safest way to do it. But at any rate, obviously, it's important to hear from God. So whether those who communicated his word or those who speak to us and, and we sense God speaking to us through them, an important gift. The gift of evangelist is here as well. The word evangel comes from the same word euangelos, which is good message, basically. But an evangelist is someone who, again, in the beginning of the church, uh, take Peter, he got up and preached on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people got saved. It was important for getting the church going for some of these people. Paul, who would go out and, and preach the gospel and, and start churches and do these works. Now, notice Paul is all of these, had all of these gifts in operation, and it's one reason why God used him so amazingly. But some people just have a gift of evangelism. Now, there are some people who are gifted really well at talking one-on-one -on -one with someone and just sharing the gospel with them. And 
you know some of those people who they are. And, and there are some times who, I mean, I, I think of Myrene down here, who if you know some old person that doesn't know the Lord, you just encourage Myrene to talk to them. And she just has this ability to connect with people. And if I had an elderly person who was on their deathbed and I didn't know if they knew the Lord or not, I'd send Myrene over there to talk to them because she just has that gift. There are other people like Greg Laurie who he gets up and preaches a message that I would go, yeah, that was good. But then he gives an invitation and hundreds of people come forward. And I go, man, I, I, if I preached that message and invited people to come forward, one guy might come up and then go, oh, well, ne never mind, you know, and <laughs> back off. But some people just have that gift. And we are all to evangelize. And, and don't get me wrong, I've had the privilege of leading lots of people to the Lord, but I see certain people who have that gift. I, I see Raul Reese, where, come on, you listen to him preach, you can't understand what he was talking about. <laughs> But I've seen him get up there, and even before he starts, he goes, I just think people are going to accept the Lord today. Come forward if you want to accept Jesus. And like people are streaming forward. And I'm going like, it's not fair. But it is fair because everyone has gifts, and this gift of evangelism is a really important one. Now, the fourth gift is pastor and teacher. It's not two gifts, it's the, the way the grammar is set up here, that's seen as one gift. A pastor teacher, someone who leads a church and teaches people from the Word of God, that's an important gift. We've all been had our lives changed by sitting under pastor teachers who faithfully minister the Word of God and just teach us from what God says. So all of these are some of the gifts. Now, those are the basic upfront kind of gifts that we associate with church, but what's the church for? And we often think, okay, these guys are the ministers. And, uh, you know, I have people who, and sometimes if somebody says, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a minister. That's true, and yet it could be misleading. Because the truth is, my job is not to minister to all of you. Um, I have a part of that role, but all of you have that role as well. See, the truth is, the way that the Bible teaches it, we are all called to be ministers. We're all called to minister to each other. But notice what he says here after talking about these gifted uh, individuals. He says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The equipping of the saints. That word equip is a word that means to prepare something, to have it be useful. It's also a word that implies that there's been some damage. It's, it's sometimes translated mending or repairing something. And so these gifts, like the gift of, of pastor-teacher, for instance, the purpose of that gift is to equip the saints, and that's not the super people, that's all of us, to, to fix us, each of us, so that we can do the work of ministry. And the result of that is the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. The end result of what church does is bodybuilding. And 
you know, not in terms of so that you can grease yourself up and pose. The idea is a healthy, lean, useful body that can continue to function. For the body of Christ to be that way, there's a certain amount of bodybuilding that needs to happen. Well, if somebody wants to physically build their body, and Paul uses this metaphor a lot, if you want to do bodybuilding, I mean, nutrition is important. It's important to eat right and to be fed. Getting some good advice and coaching is important as well. Resistance training, going through difficulties and battling through things that are hard and and cardiovascular you know, training, aerobic training, breathing and circulation and the heart of the matter, all of those things are important. That's what we are to be as the body of Christ, helping each other to be built up, helping each other to be healthy and developed. The role of leaders of the church, though, is to equip all of us, each of us, with that which will then allow all of you to be ministers, to do the work of the ministry. And we have got this so wrong traditionally. And the, the results have been devastating because the idea that people have often is, oh, you know, I come to church to get ministered to. And that's great. I hope you're ministered to when you come to church. But you're not, my role is not to give you everything you need to make it through the next week. My role is not like, hey, you feel bad, come to church, I'll make you feel good. If you're somebody that it doesn't stick very well, you can come Wednesday and get a little quick burst there, and then you'll make it. You know, I can't possibly minister to all of your needs. I can't sit there and listen to every one of you and delve into your lives. I mean, I love to do that, and, and I do an awful lot of that. But the truth is, there are just too many of you. I can't be your minister. But you know what? All around you are people who can and people who are supposed to. And they have some gifts that I don't even have. And the way the church is supposed to function is that the leaders of the church challenge you and equip you, give you the information and the help and the example that you need so that then you can go discover what is it that I'm supposed to do and you can do your work. Now, if you need someone, for instance, to pray for you who's going to be really, really sympathetic um, and, and just deeply get involved in that which you're doing... I can do that, I, I do that, but I'm not always, frankly, the most sympathetic person. God has in some ways given me a bit of a crustiness because I couldn't do everything I did if I was just always feeling everything deeply. But somebody like Dean Waters, for instance, who God has just given a profound giftedness, if I want prayer, I'd go to him. And he's always there for you. When people are going through a tough time, the guy's just minister. He's one of the ministers of this church. And nobody doesn't, doesn't need a title. He has a gifting and a compassion. And he's better at it than I am at doing that. Now, there are people who are, you're having a rough time in your marriage. I can, you know, well, I can sit down and help you with that. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, because I, I survived last week when I insulted my wife, and <laughs> we're still married. 
But there are people in this church who have been married for a lot longer than I have. And, and they have just, their gift is being able to communicate that. And for you to sit down with a couple like that, just to go out to dinner with them and pick their brain and see what they've learned about marriage, there are plenty of people better than me to do that sort of thing. There are people in the body who are better at doing premarital counseling than I am. So I kind of, before I marry somebody, I'll give them like a one-hour premarital thing. I can pretty much tell you everything I know about marriage in 20 minutes. And so... (laughs) And I, and I used to do lots of premarital counseling, but I found nobody listened. And so I always just tell people, okay, look, after you're having problems, come and talk to me and we'll work through it. Don't worry, everybody does. Because I would be counseling them, warning them about all of these things that they were going to face. And you look at the face of a 19-year-old going, no, that's not going to happen to us, you know. <laughs> okay. But, but God's plan is for every one of us to be in the ministry. And, what, and don't get me wrong, if you go through a tough time or you need somebody just to come and hold your hand or visit you in the hospital or something, I love doing that. That's a part of what we are all to do. But I'll tell you what I get really excited about doing because this is what my real job is in the church. When somebody comes to me and says, you know, I've got a friend who's, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to share with them the gospel. Or I, I'm teaching a Bible study and this passage is coming up that's a really difficult one and I'm not sure how to handle it. And my joy in life is to be able to sit down with somebody and go, here's how you can do it. Here are some ideas. Here are some ways that have worked for me in the past. And then I can be duplicated because I can take someone and give them what they need to go out and minister to others, and they'll minister to people that I'll never reach, that I'll never see. I, I can't do it all. And, and traditionally in the church, the idea is, oh, you're getting more people, so you better hire more ministers. And with the idea that, yeah, we need professionals to do the ministry. Professionals are not supposed to do the ministry. There were professionals in the church from the get-go, but their job was to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And so the job of somebody who's in a pastoral role or even the role of a missionary or the role of an evangelist, primarily when you're gifted in that area, it should be to encourage other people to do that. And you don't need a title and you don't need the name of a, of a gift. I know when my wife was going through a really tough time, um, Shannon down here took her for a hike. And it like opened up a whole different area of her life. And now she's like a hiking fiend. She goes out and, and like Shannon has this gift. Now she's getting all these other ladies to go hiking with her. And they walk and they talk and, you know, women. And <laughs> I couldn't do it. I mean, really, to me, a perfect walk is on a treadmill with headphones. You know? But I'm so excited that there are people in our church who are being ministered to by the people who really are the ministers, not like coming in and plugging in their umbilical cord with a pastor, but realizing, wow, we all have a place. We all have something to do. My job is to challenge you and to equip you to recognize you are ministers. Now, 
Again, you don't need a title, but if you want it, hey, right now I'll tell you, you are all. If you're a child of God, I'm ordaining all of you. <laughs> you're all ordained because God has chosen you. And if you're his child, you are a minister of his, and he has something for you to do. And you have a unique package of gifts that you bring to the table. If you want help in that, come and talk to some of the pastors. And, and our job is to encourage you to actually do that, not to spoon feed you and not to do it for you, but for everyone who's uniquely called. You know, if you're gifted in personal evangelism, for instance, there's nothing more exciting than to get somebody to go with you for the first time, and they love it, and now they want to do it. If you're a missionary, there's nothing greater than to see somebody come on a short-term missions trip, and then they're like, they fall in love with missions, and they want to do it. For a pastor, I love when people are like, I'd like to teach the Bible. I don't feel like, hey, wait a minute, you need an educator, you need, no, it's great. You know, you go, yeah, but if I start teaching people the Bible, I might make a bunch of mistakes, you have no idea. <laughs> it, it, yeah, you will. It's one of the reasons why at the end of church when I say, hey, if you'd like prayer for any reason, there are people down here who would love to pray with you. Those people who are down here, some, some of them I don't even know who they are. They haven't undergone any special training or, you know, they're not, like we don't run them through a background check or anything. They're just praying. They're not, they're not preaching. They're not teaching. They're praying. And if somebody wants to pray with people, I would just go, hey, if you want to pray with people, come on down and pray with people. It's, that does, that's not a disclaimer. That's just saying, this is how the body of Christ is supposed to work. Now, what if somebody who's really a nut comes up there and starts praying with people? We'll figure that out, you know, and then there's another part of the ministry that kicks in. But, <laughs> but what's the result of it ultimately is that all of us together can do so much more ministry than any of us can do individually. And the highest call to ministry is the call to help others to minister, to equip them, to teach them from what you've learned and see how they can do that. And it's hard because we tend to want to hog up the ministry, but then what happens is we burn out. Everybody's trying to, the people who are ministering are all doing too much. There are other people sitting around with nothing to do. None of us needs to do all that much. You know, God's not desperate for help, but he has given each of us a calling and gifts and an opportunity, and that's what we are to do. So your job as a minister, now you go, wait, ordained. Do you believe in women being ordained? Yeah, kids too. I don't care. I believe everyone who's a child of God is ordained by God to minister. You find where that ministry is and what God is calling you to do, and you'll know it when you find it. And if you listen to pastors and, and watch how they do things, you'll also learn how to be equipped to do it better. Again, I love it when somebody goes, you know, writes me, and, and I'm happy answering people's Bible questions, but I'm really excited when somebody says, somebody asked me this question, and I wasn't sure how to answer it. Because now, I, and, and, and they don't go, and, and I get this too. Hey, I have a guy at work who's 
asking me some tough questions, and I don't know how to answer them, so I gave him your email address and your cell phone number, and I <laughs> told him where you live, so he'll probably be calling you. You know, it happens every week. But the cooler thing is, if you go, can you give me some ideas to start so that then I can go and do this? That's how it's supposed to work. Other than that, I and other people who are pastors will burn out trying to do the work of the ministry. No, our role is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The saints are you. You have a calling, you have a place within the body, and God wants to use you. Don't be afraid to do it. Don't be afraid to reach out to others within the body. Whoa, I don't have any authority. I'm giving it to you right now. You're all ordained. You have all the authority. If you want, take one of our business cards and put your name on it. I don't care. <laughs> That's all just a game. Ultimately, you've got the authority of the God of heaven who called you into the ministry. And I don't know what your ministry is, and some of you are going to have to try and experiment, and you might find some of the things that you try don't work. Well, then you're a step closer to finding out what will. But we're all called to do the work of the ministry. Some of us are called to remind the rest of us and to equip the rest of us to go, let's go. As you leave these back doors after church, there's a little sign up above it that says you are now entering the mission field. And that's true. It's not about what happens here. What happens here, if it equips us to go out there, that's what's important. We just recently had a work day, and I'm so blessed to see people here at the church serving God, doing things, and God sees it, and I know he's blessed. But we just have a few work days a year. But do you understand that the same kind of work that you did here, if you're doing it for your neighbor, if you're doing it for somebody else, if you're training a kid how to use a nail gun or what, uh, an older kid, um, <laughs> that's ministry too. That it, doesn't, it isn't about let's just take care of the church. No, this is just school. But where we are called is out there to make a difference, to represent Jesus Christ and to serve him. And the church works when we remember that priority. If, if we just expect pastors to do all the ministry, and we just sit there and don't do anything, it's not going to get done. And not only that, then the pastors aren't free to be able to do the equipping that they need of others. But again, God has gifted certain people for certain roles in the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up, edifying of the body of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, what a great design you came up with. And you started it all off by picking these apostles, most of whom were totally unqualified to lay a foundation. And really, it was only the last guy that came along, Paul. And you had to unteach him everything he knew in order to use him. But God, this is a great plan that you've gifted each of us and that you've called all of us to the ministry. 
handful of ministers can only do so much. But to unleash this team of ministers, powerful things, great things can happen. And God, I thank you for coming up with that plan. Help each of us to figure out who we are, who you've made us. Instead of worrying about what to call ourselves or what to name our gift, help us to use our gifts, whatever they are, in the way that you've designed us so that we can minister to the body. Lord, I know that there are people here this morning who, before they get out of the parking lot, you have a ministry job for them to do maybe to encourage someone else or to show mercy to someone, maybe to give something to someone, maybe to pray with someone, maybe just to give them some word of appreciation. Lord, help each of us to do ministry so that ministry won't destroy any of us, but it will enrich all of us that your body would be built up in a healthy way. And I just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.